Welcome back to the Questionably Qualified podcast covering Game of Thrones. I'm John Truxus, and my usual podcast partner for Game of Thrones is not available this week. Uh, so this week we're talking to our friend Mike Yex. Uh, Yex. Hey guys. And we like to talk a lot about qualifications on our website. And so Yex, what would you say your qualifications are regarding Game of Thrones? And what would you say, how would you rate your own qualifications? I definitely rate myself in the theme. I would say of this website as questionably qualified. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that comes from almost reading all of the books in a haphazard way. I think four and a quarter is how many you got through. It's pretty good. Yeah, I would say so. And then I think I've watched every episode. I don't know how much attention has been paid, but, you know. Yeah. It's pretty solid, I would say. <laughs> yeah, not not the level of Maddox, but you know. That's all right. I don't I don't blame anyone for not finishing book five. So, um, <laughs> okay, so let's go ahead and jump into what happened this past this past week. Um, in Bravos, we had um, continued theatrical performances, which I I'm really getting tired of watching that play. But at the end of it. At the end of everything, we got a very solid line from Arya. So my question for you is, what did you think about all of the action leading up to Arya's awesome line? Did you enjoy it? Did you think it was good, bad, in between? Arya's awesome line, is that uh, when she says that she's Arya Stark? Is that what we're talking about? Yes. Uh, yeah, I would say that part I liked. Um... <laughs> Some of the other parts, I know that you're uh, pretty inconsolable about that chase scene, so I'll let you take over on that. <laughs> but uh, that, that's uh, yeah, I can do that. Um, the, the chase scene was a bit Terminator-ish to me. I felt um, it's kind of a mix between that and a horror villain who's always just out of reach of murdering you. Um, and I talked to Katrina yeah. about this, and she was actually kind of okay with that. Uh, she felt that. It was just representing the the, fate, the nameless rival kind of playing cat and mouse with Arya, to which I responded, that's not exactly what you're supposed to do as a faceless man. Um, and yeah, no. she, was, she was greatly upset by the fact that Arya was able to move that quickly, um, having been stabbed in the stomach. And being uh, basically high on milk of the poppy. Right. She was up like a shot, and then... Uh, <laughs> No residual effects from... I, yeah, I don't know about you. I, I physically cringed when she kind of uh, did that baseball slide and went right down the stairs on her stomach underneath the wagon. I was like, I think that's where all of your stitches are. Just came right out. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So... I just, the way the wave was running was just like... I wish I could just play that in an endless loop. Just with her, like, her chin was so far down... Yes. I like, could not believe that. Well, it was, like, it was stage running. Yeah, it was very much like a, a pose while you run type thing. A little Zoolander-ish, you know? <laughs> it was something. Um, and I think I think the worst part for me was when she, uh, I don't know, purposely jumped down from a, a position of advantage about 10 yards behind Arya and just let her know exactly where she was <laughs> so Arya could keep running away. And correct me if I'm wrong on this, but also in the same, when she was running kind of like adjacent to her on that rooftop and like jumped, like jumped down and like tackled her. 
What? Like, how do you not win after that? I no idea. No idea. Well, actually, I do have in a way. The way is when she's bleeding on the ground and looking up a, a flight of stairs at you, you just stare at her. Yeah. That's you how get, you lose. <laughs> you get the same face you're running with. You're just like, I gotta get prepared to run. Right. So I'm gonna put my chin all the way as close to my chest as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so the bigger question I have about the aria, um, the aria action. That kinda... wasn't your biggest question. No, that was my biggest complaint. <laughs> <laughs> um, my biggest question is, at the end of last season, Arya just straight murked Marin Trant and was looking like a supreme badass, right? And she was coming into this season, and I was thinking, okay, well, she's probably going to be in a little bit of trouble for that. She goes blind at the end of last season. Mm -hmm. We find out that she's still training. Do you actually think she's any more badass now than you did at the end of last season? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Outside of the Skywalker-ish flash of brilliance she had when she was dueling the waif for, like, five seconds, it doesn't appear that she has any more, like, any different or better abilities. Yeah, she's kind of like Daredevil now, right? Like, she's good at fighting in the dark. I guess so. Because I didn't gather that, really, because she was really terrible at it when she was blind. Yeah. Except for that, like, one time. Right, she went through the montage when she was blind. And mm -hmm. for some reason, I figured that if she could take the waif when she was blind, then when she had her sight back, she could really beat her out. Um, but then we had the part where they're training, and she still gets her ass kicked. Yeah, it was it. It so much reminded me of Star Wars that I almost <laughs> hated it. You know, I don't know. I, I can see like, that. Like uh, uh, the what do you call it? Like the man. What is his name? Jacques and Hagar. Yeah, but like I guess I guess yeah. Okay. Like I almost expected him to be like trust your instincts <laughs> <laughs> and I, I would be like where is Al Guinness when you need him so he's the, he's the Ben Kenobi of this storyline right well exactly right but no I never came to <laughs> I could see that um, I, I hope that his little grin at the end means that he's actually going to let Arya just, just pop off on her own um, yeah. it seems a bit odd but maybe it'll work yeah <laughs> I like I hate now how like Basically, like, the House of Black and White is only three people. Like, whereas <laughs> when you're a person or two to it, there's, like, people in it all the time. <laughs> there's a bunch of different assassins. But the last, like, it seems like ten times we've been there, it's been the Waif, Jacket, and sometimes Arya, blind or not blind. So it's like... Okay, That's very like, true. I think I think maybe they, like, ran out of money for extras. And <laughs> they just yeah, said, okay. well... We can't afford anybody else in these scenes, guys. So, um, yeah, we're going to send the waif after Arya, even though she clearly has a grudge against her, and that's not something you're supposed to do as an assassin. Yeah, all, all confusing. Nobody like, else is here, so. <laughs> yeah, like, what? That's not how I saw that going. I didn't see the House of Black and White like that, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't think that that quite made sense <laughs> to you. But anyway, um, <laughs> so, so Arya's heading back to Westeros. Um, which I am excited for. I got a little nervous when she said, you know, what's west of Westeros. Um, 
I thought that it's west of Westeros. <laughs> would you would you like to tell the people about what's west of Westeros? Yes. <laughs> I don't actually know. I think you. Would, I I think I had the upper hand on the squisher theory, but uh, I kind of lost it. But so, uh, squishers essentially. <laughs> so the squisher theory evidently holds that somewhere far enough west of Westeros, there is uh, what is it an amphibious race yeah basically not kind of like merman i guess <laughs> not really though that's responsible for all of the uh the oddly yeah. scattered uh dark black uh structures that don't seem to be valyrian in nature yeah that's that's that one's out there it's, yeah i would have said the same thing about time travel before this season buddy so Oh my god! Yeah, that's true. I went, I went nuclear after that happened. Yeah, that was that was a problem. Uh, well, maybe we'll see. I, I'm I'm just not sure how they're gonna handle it. Um, <laughs> they just barely show Bran now. <laughs> right. That's just I guess that's the plan. <laughs> well, Bran's up north for a while. Um, okay, so so Arya's heading back to Westeros. Where where do you think she might go, and where would you want to see her go? I honestly don't know where she's going to go. Uh, I think you had a pretty good whole. Uh, you had a pretty good theory, I thought, but I don't remember if that if you actually did or not. I I mean, she could go almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. Would you want to see her go like directly to the north and and join up with Sansa and John, or do you think you'd rather see some more of the uh, the Arya Chronicles? Well, <laughs> if she can make it there by next episode, I would definitely love to see that, given you and Maddox's beef with how people travel in this series. <laughs> I think it would really be perfect. Uh, but if she can't make it in the in the one episode, uh, I've always had this crazy idea that she'd go to Sothorios. I thought that would be the best thing. She's, like, obsessed with Nymeria. I wanted her to go to Yeen. And, like, find some magical, like, something. Or just get murdered on Sotorios. <laughs> like, just something amazing. I, I, like, that's a whole continent that we've never seen. Like, except, like, Grey Worm's like, oh, I come from the Summer Isles. Right. Nothing else. So, yeah, that's all we get. Yeah, um, so I'd love that. Yeah, so so to help people out who uh, who haven't heard of Sotorios yet. Um, Sotorios. Sotorios, I think it's good. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, there's I there's Westeros, which is where most of our action is taking place, um, which for some reason didn't even strike me as as lame until I found out that the continent east of that was called Essos, and then the <laughs> continent south of that yeah. is called <laughs> Sothiros. George really went on a limb naming these things. Right. He came up with a billion names for, for people and historical beings and things like that, but then when it came to the continents, just... Nee. You know, west, east, and south. You know, why not? <laughs> um, and so in Sotorios, um, the there's a it's basically this really jungle, jungle infested just um, type climate, and we don't know a whole lot about who lives there. Um, Nymeria, who you referenced, was a queen in Essos that um, was part of a group that was driven out by the Valyrians, and she led a bunch of ships on a long, long journey, kind of, um, 
Grapes of Wrathish in terms of un- of misfortune. Uh, <laughs> I guess so. And one of the places they stopped was in Sotharios. Uh, and what was the what was the name of the city again? The one is Yin. Yin. Um, and, and it's this very odd material that it's made out of. And I thought it was like the oily black stone. It is. It is the Squisher Stone. It's the Squisher Stone. So the Squishers basically built Yin. <laughs> and then uh, there's like a whole bunch of stuff I've read about it where like the, the like, because the forest is so dense there, mm-hmm. it like overtakes every settlement. But it's like even when they go to Yin, like, hundreds of years between settlements like there's no like vegetation in it right it's just left immaculately how it was yeah nothing grows there yeah because it's so like cursed or something i don't know right i mean it would be interesting for sure i don't know if they have time to do it in the next two seasons or maybe they'll just have Arya never get back to westeros in the last two seasons (laughs) what they'll do is she'll go there then they'll like flash forward with the time travel part (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then there'll be a spin-off series where she rules that continent. That'd be pretty cool. I could go for that. I mean, I think that, that the the outcome that the people people would want to see the most, um, I'll go ahead and speak for the entire population here, would be the reunion of Arya and the Hound. Yeah. Because I really dug those episodes when those two were traveling around. Yeah, they were both pretty badass, I would say. They commanded the screen yeah. rather well. And now you've got now you got the hound back in action, um, you know maybe Which has been a highlight. It has, it has. I've I've loved having him back. There's nothing particularly like deep or you know anything else about the character or like the story. It's just such a visceral character, and I like I don't know why I connected them so well. It's but... a it's a good question because. In in both the show and the book, you start out really hating him, like he's just yeah. a dick that wears a dog mask and does whatever <laughs> Joffrey, who's also a dick, tells him to do. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but then by the end of it, I think that you start to like see a bit of his humanity with his terror around fire, uh, for one thing. Um, yeah. And I think the other thing is that he's the only person who seems to appropriately hate everything about what's happening. Yeah, I, I thought the, you know, the first glimpse I thought you got of his humanity is when he like haphazardly in like such a quick way becomes a member of the Kingsguard. Right. And he basically like, and Joffrey's like terrorizing Sansa, and he basically just tells Joffrey to just fuck off about this right now, like <laughs> just stop it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I am the king. He's like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> Shut up, kid. It is great. And I mean, about that, that's when you just kind of get like. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. But yes, it's good to have him back. Um, So yeah, the other possible sort of destinations for for Arya, um, she could go straight to the north, I guess. Although I don't don't think she has any way of knowing that her family is doing anything in the north. Um, Yeah. The last last she knew, I think, was that her brother and mother had been killed and her aunt was no longer there. So she might be um, hesitant to go north right away. Yeah, I would imagine so. Unless she headed straight for the wall, I guess. Because she does love John. She and John get along well. Um, yeah, he, he gave her needle, right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, the only problem with that is I don't know how many ships want to take her to the wall. Because nobody wants to go to the wall. 
Yeah. Oh man, that would actually be great if they kind of went up east. And what's that island to the east? I want her to go there. You want her to go to the the Isle of Skagos? <laughs> yes. The Skags. Get some get some uh, cannibals on the side. Exactly. Some unicorns. I'm all about <laughs> the weird places that you know are never even barely talked about. It does seem that way. It does seem but that you way. You have like 2,500. Like how many pages do you have? Like 4,000 pages. I'm talking about things that have been covered on oh, three God. collective pages. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. There's like, there's like, uh, in the big, the big side book, there's probably a paragraph on each of these places. <laughs> yeah, so it's like. Yeah. Okay, and I think that uh, that that segues nicely into the Hound, just because we saw uh, some action in the Vale as well. Um, there's a big question here I have for you, and I'm going to try to breathe. How do you broach a question? Yeah, that's right. In a way that doesn't give any spoilers or potential spoilers away. Someone I know (laughs) felt that seeing Beric Dondarrion and Thoros and no one else was indicative that a certain character from the books was not going to be in the story, in the the show at all. Okay, yeah. I mean... (laughs) One of the characters who just paddled down a river is still here, so that right. other character probably isn't here, right? It, it's kind of fair. I'm still I'm still holding out hope. Yeah, that would be awesome. I think. I I, I think really I think that character is gonna be here, and the only reason I think that is because when. That they for some reason they just went to wherever that castle is that the Freys have. The twins. And Walter, Fr- yeah, and Walter Frey was being just a real dick, and you were like, "Man, somebody should murder him." And what kind of amazing justice would it be if this character ends up being the one who does it? That's a very good point because um, I, I think the Game of Thrones in general does a good job of like dropping little mentions in in a couple episodes that uh, like of something that will appear later in the season. And you're right. Like, why would they bother showing us the scene at the twins where Lord Frey is just like, Hey, get out of the twins and go take river run back. Mm-hmm. If it weren't to remind you that that dick bag, Lord Frey is still alive. Yeah. And I think that, that, I think that kind of is, I don't know. I don't know how that would really happen. You know, I don't know what kind of... I mean, do you think that all their men are over at Riveron? And that, you know... I think that all of them were. I think that all of them were, at least. Um, And based on their competence in that siege, even if they had a lot at home, I'm not sure how good they would be at things. Yeah, that's true. They might only be capable of military action at wedding feasts. <laughs> yeah, and hiring a band that can somehow play the reins of Castamere. Right. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. If we had to get into a question, like, <laughs> how much of a dick do you have to be, like, and like potentially ruin the mass murder you planned? Oh, I don't want to get into that. Yeah, that does but... seem like a an unnecessary risk, right? <laughs> yes. Like you could play literally any song as your cue. <laughs> to start the slaughter and you choose the one that might make people uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but we know who's really to blame for that, and that's Rob for not listening to his dire wolf when his dire wolf is like, yo, these guys are dicks, don't do that. And for basically just being a dumbass. Yeah, that too. That too. You know? Good point. <laughs> for altogether being... So, I don't know. It's not even that he was like Ned. We don't have to get into this. He was just stupid in his own right. Yeah, and, and in the show, it, it's less forgivable because he seems so old. In the books, he's like 15, and you're like, all right. I can see you making a dumb decision like yeah, that okay, at 15, yeah. 15, but... If anything, I guess you could say he's like, if if certain theories are to be believed, he's more like his aunt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so, yeah, we had the Hound, uh, just nice, quick murder of four people. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, and then the chat... Into it is violence. <laughs> it was, it was. And then the chat with uh, Beric and Thoros. Um, it seemed to me like they're they're riding off together now, right? Yeah, that's how I that's how I took it. Okay, cool. I mean, the Hound doesn't get too verbose about his agreements to do things, but no. Yeah, excellent. Okay, uh, going over to Marine. Uh, Varys is leaving to go find ships. Um, I guess he got out just in time before that gigantic naval armada sailed in mm-hmm. to blockade marine um you know now that you're mentioning this how awesome would it be if Varys was like so pissed about this alliance with like the red priestess <laughs> and like this red thing that he just like facilitated this like whole thing with the masters <laughs> that, that'd be pretty hardcore that'd be yeah that'd be very hardcore yeah it's like if, you want to you want to make fun of my castration again lady yeah, like, what if he's really just been a double agent for, like, the stag king, like, mm. the stag king the entire time? So, like, he knew that they are going to be vulnerable, and he kind of knew that Tyrion felt comfortable. I mean, I don't think that happened, because I think that they have a pretty good connection, but right. I mean, him and Baelish have a pretty good connection, too. Yeah, they're, him and Baelish, I think, had a connection born of mutual respect where they both realized they were the two best players in the game. That, um, that basically built themselves. Right. So. And, um, and I think there's an exchange in the first book where I can't remember who it's between, but one of them states that the difference is that Littlefinger is always looking out for what's best for himself. And Varys claims to be what's interested in what's best for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Which is why he was trying to help Ned Stark more so than Littlefinger, because Varys was like, "Well, actually, Ned would be good at this if he could get up to speed on politics." How the game is played, right? Poor Ned should have just gone back home. Um, <laughs> he should have declared himself the king of the North. Well, yeah, he could have been. He could have been the king of everything from the very beginning. Well, that's true. You let uh, Robert take the. Yep. Yep. All right. That's the most unnecessary burn that Jamie ever issues to Ned. When he when he tells him that you should have just sat on the, on the throne yourself? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what an unnecessary burn. Dick move. Then again, Jamie is kind of a dick at the begin, you know, first three books or so. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, Tyrion gets gets Masande and Grey Worm to drink, which is pretty great. I enjoyed that scene just because the jokes were terrible, and that was pretty good. Um, mm. 
and the naval fleet that we talked about arrives, led by the Masters. Um, obviously, they have no Navy because it all got burned, I don't know, however many episodes ago. Yeah. And it's it's looking like that won't be good. When we cut back, they're firebombing the, the pyramid, uh, that is the Great Pyramid, where Danny's kind of residence is. Yep. And luckily for them, Danny arrives um, Somehow. just as that firebombing is going on. And Can you believe the timing? <laughs> what a coincidence. It's very convenient. Yeah. Um, and strolls into the room. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this earlier. I mean, it's it's just a wash in, like, ridiculous, stupid things. So like, why do you just dismount your dragon when you're being firebombed and come in and it's like, hey, guys, what's, what's going on? <laughs> in trouble guys oh man do we have any extra ships <laughs> what, what should i do i have this dragon that can eviscerate these wooden ships with basically just breathing but i'm just gonna you know not not do that let's sit down and talk about it yeah like <laughs> she walks in with like it doesn't look like she has much like i want to say like a purpose she just walks in and she's like hey <laughs> She doesn't like, hey, you, let's, let's do something about this. <laughs> it's true. Like, she, she doesn't like, like... Does she say anything? No. No, she doesn't start issuing orders. She just, like, walks in and looks at him. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it's like, God, you guys would be screwed if it weren't for me. <laughs> like, what an unnecessary cliffhanger. Like, I mean, it's just a cliffhanger for a cliffhanger's sake. Right. Because that obviously would never happen. Like, you would either do something about it, because it's like... I don't have to issue many orders for this. I just have to take my, like, truck-sized dragon and burn <laughs> all these wooden ships, and then I'm probably going to be okay. Or I can go in and, like, start saying things. Or I can just walk in and <laughs> look sweet. Right, and, and like, even if, even if you didn't want to just go ahead and massacre everyone that was on those ships, which would not really be in character, Danny seems to be a fan of all over massacre as a method of solving these problems. Um, you could at least just like set a, a huge row of them on fire on Drogon's back and be like, Hey guys, back off, mm -hmm. send a message and then stroll in there to try to figure out what to do. But no, she just sent her dragon away. Yeah. It was just like, I love how like the way they shot it where she's like awkwardly in the left hand part of the screen mm -hmm. and the door she walked in, you can see Drogon like flying. Right. It was not much purpose, because I think he does, like, a little spin at some point, <laughs> and he, like, starts coasting. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't get in, like, dive bomb attack mode. He's just like, oh, man, this is great. I'm free again, I guess. <laughs> Thanks for the ride, Drogon. I I'm done. Thank you. And what's the... What... Do we know... Like, when Tyrion chains are other two dragons, mm -hmm. like, does that mean they can leave where they are? Or, because how I understood it, he just unchained them, but they're still, like, locked up in a basement. Right, so that's a very good question, and it's one that uh, I've had a couple people ask me, mostly because that was, I don't know, episode two or three, yeah, and since then we haven't seen them at all. Um, mm -hmm. So, what I remember is that there's the smallish passageway that they led them in, and they were smaller then, and then they chained them up, and that's the only way in or out. Um... So they're in a very large area. 
that they can kind of fly around, you know, get exercise as dragons may need to do. I don't know. Well, um, we saw when Drogon got a lot of exercise, he turned like nine times bigger. Yeah, he got swole. <laughs> he got swole. Real I quick. just learned that word a few months ago. Oh, man, that's a good one. Swole. <laughs> I was like, I corrected someone who said it. I was like, you mean swell. Swell. <laughs> like, no, swole. <laughs> that's not a word. <laughs> um, so, so to answer your question, no, there's no other way out for them. Um, in the books, they're, they're trying to make their own way out. Uh, because it turns out dragon fire can melt rock. Yeah, we, we know that from Harrenhal. Right. Right? Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's what's going on in the books, is that there's... There's starting to be some structural issues with the pyramid because there are two loose dragons in there who are not thrilled about their captivity. Wow, I can't imagine why. Right, yeah. You know, but when you have three of the most valuable, uh, you know, military assets in the world, you should probably keep two of them under wraps and just let the other one fly off at a whim. Yeah, don't even, don't even try to learn how to use them. Nah. Um... Okay, so I think we've covered what happened in Marine, because not a lot happened, really. Uh, the ships got yeah, there, and Danny yeah, walked I want, in. Yeah, I want to circle back to, because we didn't really address, what do you think Varys is doing? Like, what do you think his plan is? That's a good question. Um, he he said he's going to get ships. Mm-hmm. And part of, the, part of the problem with trying to figure out what his plan is, is that there aren't many navies of note in the Seven Kingdoms. Um, a lot of the major castles are landlocked, because mm-hmm. that's where they grow their food, and it makes sense to be landlocked. Um, there are a couple of port cities that have their own uh, navies, but you know the big ones are the Greyjoys, which is why they're usually such a pain in the ass when they decide to go do things, is because they don't have a lot of competition. Um, there was the Baratheon fleet, that he brought to the Blackwater, but it got mostly set on fired. Um, Yes, got Tyrion. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have the Royal Fleet, uh, but obviously Varys won't be going there to ask. So the two two other places I can think of would be Dorne. Uh, Sunspear is a port city. I, I imagine they're going to have to go back there at some point. Yeah, wait, when are, when are they going to go back there? I don't know. That's why I'm thinking maybe that's where he goes for ships, just because they need some reason to go back, I think. Um, or maybe they're just going to go with, like, the Sands and Eggs ruled happily ever after type story. Yeah, I kind of feel like they're purposely not showing them because they want you to surprise. Like, they want them to surprise the viewers. Because they're like... People who aren't like, hey, you know, there's seven major houses, mm-hmm. and, you know, this one that was a huge plot point. Like, you don't think Cersei or Jamie would be doing something about the fact that they just murdered their daughter. But it apparently never crosses their mind for however long this has been. Yeah, it was just... about one episode that they were upset about that, and then they just <laughs> kind of, yeah, okay. They haven't talked about it since. Man, that sucks they killed our daughter. You know what else sucks? Our son. God, he's disappointing. Yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like the Sand Snakes will just show up somewhere to shock people. I think you're right. Like, maybe they're going to pop up in King's Landing and try to assassinate one of the Lannisters or something like that. 
And I think that's probably the most logical place, but mm-hmm. how much better would it be, and hear me out here, if they just popped up in, uh, like, Winterfell <laughs> and just took over Winterfell? They're like, we need the South and the North, <laughs> and we'll, we'll crush them on two fronts. Like, just something that makes no sense. Uh, I'd, be... I'd be way more surprised if that happened. That would be pretty great. Um, I, I would enjoy it just because it would... You know, I, they've already been fudging with the, the, the pace of travel so far. See, um, but the thing is, it wouldn't be fudging. See, that's why it'd be great. They'd be like, these last eight episodes we've been walking <laughs> <laughs> from Sunspear the whole time. The, the whole time. North of the wall. They show up with Bran. They're like, hey, <laughs> we're here now. It took us eight episodes to get here. And Bran and, Bran and uh, Benjamin are just like, the fuck are you? What is, <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I would kind of enjoy that. I would. Um, yeah, I mean, it might be better than... It would certainly be better than anything they've had the Sand Snakes do so far. So. Yeah, it just seems like they're going to do something that's going to just... You know, I don't know. Because it always seems like it happens like this, where they build a narrative, and then, you know, George just destroys it. Right. Because he's like, that is fun and un- unpredictable. But, like, in the same way... Now it's become very predictable. It has a so. bit. Like, like uh, I talked about this with Maddox, where nobody was really that concerned that Jon Snow was dead. <laughs> yeah. Like, pretty much, I remember at the end of the, like, I remember at the end of reading that book, I was really pissed off. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, there's there's no way. You can't have Jon be dead, too. Like, that's just too many, too many narrators that you're taking out of this story. <laughs> yeah, because he's just so... It just so happened that uh, the Red Priestess was there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that he had casually slipped in the whole Derek subplot. Right. Don, or the Barrick Dondarian subplot. Right, yeah. We just happened to make mention of that and then have someone of the same fate there at the same time. and Yeah, Yeah, and the one that revives Dondarian is basically a two-bit asshole from... Correct. I can't even barely do any of it. So it's like, Melisandre Mil- right. is like good i thought yes i mean she gave birth to a shadow baby which i think has got to be a fairly high level spell there (laughs) best thing ever yeah that was a striking imagery in that (laughs) why 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 is it i don't know it's like it's such a weird conundrum in the sense that why has she not you know done anything nearly as useful since yeah, she just, well, in the shows, she just murders a child. Yep. For no reason, and it has, like, nothing good happens. The snow melts. Right. Which makes them lose more. Yeah, which also, by the way, snow can melt on its own. It doesn't necessarily mean that burning the child alive worked. <laughs> yeah. Look, I made it two degrees warmer today. That was me, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did that, which not, I mean, didn't really create any <laughs> Any, any advantage, but what did they do to make it so she had to birth the shadow baby? They just like they just like gave her a little bit of blood in that cup, right? No, that was the one where Stannis boned her. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, that was the only way to get a shadow baby. I mean, the question would be, why wouldn't you just do that on the reg then? Mm-hmm. And have shadow babies take care of all your problems. I mean... Why wouldn't you? 
It's a good question. Apparently she's out of mana. <laughs> yeah, apparently she needs that Osmos spell. Yeah, she really needs that. Um, okay, okay, let's let's get out of the north for now. Uh, we'll cover that at the end. Um, yeah. So in King's Landing, uh, we finally got to see the Zombie Mountain in real action, uh, which I I actually enjoyed, and, and this is partly because, and you've read enough of the books that you remember that Gregor is big on raping and brutally yeah. murdering people that are entirely innocent and and things like that. And now I feel like he just murders people who Cersei asks him to, which could be really bad, but so far he's just murdering religious fanatics. And I kind of think he's a better dude for it. Yeah, I guess the question here is, do you think that Gregor Clegane was a better person than Cersei, which Gregor's not setting the bar real low, real high. <laughs> so I mean, by by default, I think he'd have to be. I think as an extension of Cersei. It's a good point. I think so. <laughs> You're right. It is. It's pretty much just deciding which personality is actually worse. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I he. Oh man, that's the worst that he's still alive. So do you think that the High Sparrow, speaking through Tommen, his little uh-huh. boy puppet, yeah. um, would have outruled, outlawed, trial by combat <laughs> if it weren't for Gregor yell- yanking that dude's dome off. Are we thinking that that's the only reason he did it? I don't know. I didn't personally. Um, I don't think it takes much imagination to look at Zombie Mountain and be like, I probably don't want to enter a trial by combat against him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've had a couple people at, at, you know, bring up that sort of thought that it was an overstep on Cersei's part and it, it drove them to abolish it. I I don't know. I, the High Sparrow seems to be fairly smart despite his annoying tendencies. Yeah. Um, and I feel like he might have been keen to avoid a trial by combat anyway. And that's kind of where I, I think, too, but I think that's a good point by whoever asked that. Like, that could be in response to in, in response to that. But, I mean, the more I think about it, the more I think he would probably just done that anyways because he doesn't want to deal with, you know, Why risk Cersei, it, right? who has, you know, basically is diametric opposite in this in this kind of game that they're playing, like, right. basically for her son's allegiance. Right. I did think that it was indicative of Cersei's... I don't know. I, I liked her move to say, I choose violence. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it did influence their decision anyway, it would be just, like, another indication of Cersei's inability to think past the next, you know, two or three plays in the game. Yeah, and I think that that is definitely... I mean, just having the mountain around all the time. Yeah, right? keep, keep them under That's, wraps until you get your trial by combat. I mean, exactly right. Because I don't think that... I mean, I guess she's not terribly popular, so she just need a bodyguard. But, That's true. I mean, I guess you could get someone else to do that. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and then just kind of keep your assassin or yeah. superhuman... Frankenstein under wraps. Yeah, like keep keep uh, keep Braun around as a bodyguard. You know, Braun's Braun's incredibly capable. His return, I thought, was 
it was a long time coming. I was pretty happy to see him. Yes, I was too. I'm not sure where he got all this military strategy, um, but it is good yeah, to see right. him again. Yeah, as a sellsword, I don't think he's had that much experience running an army, but but I'll take what I can get because Bron on screen is always good. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so trial by combat is no longer an option. That's a bummer for uh, for Cersei. And in response, she asks Kyburn about a rumor. Now, this was annoying. Agreed. So go ahead and explain why you felt it was annoying, because I didn't think about it that much until you, you kind of explained it, and I was like, that's exactly why that's so annoying. Well, and I've, I've kind of had this problem kind of throughout this season in particular, and I wonder why that is. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what I really appreciate about the show and about the books is that everything is so calculated. So when you get these little asides... Like something where she's like, did you check in on that rumor? Almost 100% of the time, up to this point, where you have all these pages and this intricately woven plot, and I think that's what George R. R. Martin does so great, mm-hmm. and so he does so well. And then, But that just seems kind of like they're just doing that as a device to get you somewhere else without any context beforehand. So that really annoyed me, because usually you expect that they're going to draw from some previous experience in the show or some previous thing that you might not have thought was important beforehand. But, right. I mean, and I, I think you were tasked with kind of the huge um, burden of trying to figure out if there was anything, and I don't think you said you could find anything. No, I couldn't find anything. The only the, the only sort of interaction that Kyburn and Cersei have had in the recent history is her saying, find anyone who's talking bad about me or my family and, you know, give me their names and we'll kill them. Um, But that wouldn't fit with any sort of rumor that would be triggered by this sort of reveal, I don't think. Yeah, and I agree, too. And the one thing I was saying, and I I, I vaguely recall this, you probably have a better handle on it, is when she was asking about the wildfire at some point, yeah, I but think that I, doesn't seem to fit here really either, unless she's gonna burn the entire militant faith to the ground. Which I mean, I guess I do kind of want to see. Right, it would be pretty cool. Um, so the the interesting part about that is that we we got the little glimpse of Bran in Bran's you know rapid fire visions. He saw the wildfire exploding throughout the tunnels, mm-hmm. and to our knowledge, that's never happened before which would mean that it would, uh, you know, I don't know if it means that it's something that is go- for sure going to happen in the future or if it's one of many possibilities of what's going to happen in the future or what. Um, well, but we did see that. As we know from Brand's tra- time traveling, <laughs> whatever happens is exactly what is going to happen. Right. Um, so if that's the case, the problem is I don't, I don't think that the wildfire is only buried underneath the sept. Like, I think it's all throughout King's Landing. And so she'd be nuking a town, basically. Which, I mean, she hasn't she hated King's Landing basically since she got there? She has. She has. I mean, I guess there's some kind of drama there, some kind of closure. And Jamie did say fairly explicitly to Edmer that he and Cersei would burn the world to the ground for their children. Oh, that's actually a very good catch. 
Yeah, he did say that. And why would he say it that way? Right. Yeah. So it could be a coincidence. Um, the The interesting thing is that this is sort of furthering one of the things that annoyed me about the length of the books, which is all of this shit is happening in King's Landing, and is any of it going to matter at all? Because if King's Landing is a smoldering mess when Danny arrives, she's going to be like, well, that was easy. Oh, man, that's amazing. That should definitely happen. I mean, it could, right? Like, the Tyrells and the Lannisters still hate each other. Yeah, that's very true. If you nuke how, the town, would that be? if you nuke the town, a bunch of the soldiers are going to be dead. There's no Iron Throne for her to sit on? Like, what kind of irony right? is that? It'd be pretty great. Uh, but at the same time, it'd be like, hey, you know all this time we've spent with the Lannisters? Didn't matter. <laughs> that's that's true. And it's like, it doesn't make uh, Westeros, like, all of a sudden, it's not like, oh, there's no Iron Throne, so I guess there's no country to rule now, right? Right. It's like, well, I'll just rule from Dragonstone, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, like, I'm wondering if Danny's just going to, like, stroll up all the way to the to Winterfell and be like, hey, sup, John? You oh, guys how terrible is that going to be? Have though? a White Walkers problem? Want... I'm sorry? You guys have a White Walkers problem, I hear? See, that, and that would be terrible, right? It because would be. It would be. You want this kind of awesome conflict between... Like, the Lannisters and what's remaining. Like, what isn't kind of separated from the kingdom and Danny's army, but I mean, if they just kill each other and then she comes with this massive army, there's almost nothing they can do. And then it's like, oh, wait, the winter's coming now. So basically the humans just fight the White Walkers. And then it's like, why are we ever even squabbling in the first place? Like, Yeah, it would be a huge bummer if that's the way it played out. I'm just trying to figure out how, how King's Landing is going to remain a formidable point. And I think it would have to be an alliance between the Lannisters and the Tyrells. Yeah, I think that, that yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, I think an interesting concept can kind of emerge in the sense that, you know, who really wants to see another Targaryen ruler when she comes across? So, I mean, will the faith really be okay with that? Like They shouldn't be they... thrilled with it, yeah. Or will they ultimately get together with the Tyrells and the Lannisters? And hmm. I mean, what are the Tullys going to do? Like, what are what is ever what is anyone going to do when that happens? But like, if Westeros is a burning pile of ash, right. they can't do anything about it. Then it's like that's kind of a sellout, I would think. It would be a bummer. Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to I'm like trying to figure out how King's Landing is going to stay whole. It's they're making it difficult on me. Yeah, and I think that. That would be a kind of an interesting dynamic if there was kind of a forced alliance between mm -hmm. the Faith, the Lannisters, and the Tyrells. I agree. Like, a crap, now we have to band together because there's something bigger. Because we're going to be annihilated by the Imp. Right. Which, God bless um, Tyrion. I do like that guy. That would be great if Cersei has to see him. Like, I would love that. You know, just basically running afoul. Of yes. That'd be fantastic. All right, so uh, you mentioned River Run. Let's bump over to River Run and the Tullys. Um, here's a hypothetical for you. Let's say you were forced to marry against your will. And okay. <laughs> on your wedding night, as you were going to consummate the marriage, 
the family of your bride murdered all of your bannermen <laughs> and your sister's bannermen and your sister mm. and your nephew. Your nephew, yeah. If months later, after having been in a dungeon, they told you that they were going to kill your baby, <laughs> how many shits would you give? I wouldn't. I would have been like, all right, Jamie, go ahead and throw a baby against the castle and see how people <laughs> like you then. Yeah, I mean, if, if, I mean, the one thing, God, I don't know. The one thing I will say is, like, regardless of any of that nonsense, right, like, if he said, hey, if you, I'm going to release you, I mean, that kind of puts the onus on him. And, like, if you've been a prisoner for that long, wouldn't you just be like, oh, just fuck it all to hell. Like, I give up. Like, just let me not be tortured. Or, Probably. like, let me have some food. Or, like, that's possible. let me just not have a terrible life right now. Right. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, the baby part, I don't think, would probably do that much for it me. Would, it wouldn't sway me very much. I'd be like, oh, that thing is half, t half fray. And, uh, in case you hadn't noticed. <laughs> but to be honest, it'd be like, it'd be like, any baby. So I'd be like, yeah. I will throw babies against this wall until you decide not to. Like, I'm definitely going to be sad about that. Like, you know, it's like, you're just murdering babies, you crazy person. It's like, right? It's like, I don't think it's so much that it's, like, I wouldn't so much care that it's my baby. I don't even know that baby. But it's like, any baby really is like, it's like just like 12 babies at a time in a catapult. I mean, there's a dead baby joke in this, um, this <laughs> hypothetical somewhere, but it's just like... There definitely is. He's um, just an <laughs> asshole. Like, okay, okay, so, so that aside, that aside, um, once he gets inside the castle, he, he overrules his uncle and surrenders the castle just like Jamie asked him to. Mm -hmm. um, again, disappointing. At that point, I didn't have much faith in him anyway, but it certainly seems like the, the right time to turn around and be like, by the way, I don't care about that baby, is when you've been freed and you're back inside your castle. Yeah, but, but it's like when you have no chance to win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and the chance to win is interesting. I mean, Riverrun is one of the more difficult castles in in the Seven Kingdoms. I mean, you can definitely throw down, like, a huge draw, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, yeah, and as long as they have the, the stores, you know, then they can last a long time. Um, but how much of you, how like how how much do you think the Blackfish was just, like, <laughs> bluffing his ass off? I, it's highly possible. I don't know how they would have that many stores there if the castle got taken once. Yeah, like, two two years? Yeah. Two years of food? It's a lot. For, like, how many people are there? Yeah, that's that's a lot. Um, it's a lot of food. And I think factoring that decision, too, is, you know, who the hell do they ask for help at this point? Like, yeah. who's going mean, to lift that siege for them? You know. You just give up. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled with, uh, with 
the blackfish pulling a summer and just jumping onto a mass of guys and, and getting killed. I can't imagine that that's how that goes in, in the books. Is that how that happens? Uh, it does not. Um, the blackfish actually uses that exit to escape the way that uh, Brienne and, and Pod did. <laughs> like a normal person would. <laughs> right. The guy who's willing to uh, to wait out a two-year siege um, apparently was so disheartened by the <laughs> nephew he's already d- disappointed in that he decides... <laughs> I'm out. Fuck it. Like, oh, fuck it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. He like really, he really just wanted to be like, just like, serve the biggest middle finger to the Lannisters. <laughs> Instead, he's like, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm just gonna die. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I had a chance to ride really north. Shitty contract. Yeah, it's like I have, I have a chance to ride north to join my grandniece who is trying to retake Winterfell and create a new army in the north that I could then use to give the middle finger to the Lannisters. Right. Yeah, the producers must have just been like, yeah, this guy's contract. He's a total dick. <laughs> we don't want him anymore. Let's just murder him. We won't even put it. We're not even going to give him an on-screen death. That's true. I was like, okay, well, maybe they'll show him at least stab a couple guys on his... <laughs> no, they, they just nope. hated that guy so much, they were like, yeah, fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah, you go around the corner. That's it. You're done. <laughs> yeah, you take a walk up some stairs. And yeah. Then we just make a, a passing mention at your death. Right. You're like the most legendary of any warrior that's come out of River Run. Yeah. That's the way <laughs> to go. He just is old and died. Right. <laughs> that's what old people do. They like die. Edmure's reaction. It's like he gives none, no shit. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Well, that's a bummer. I'm kind of used uh, to my family uh, dying at this point. but He's like, you know, he's the one that's been, you know, keeping this castle together. He's the only reason that we <laughs> even have it anymore. Right. Ah, uh, who cares? Yeah, no big. Um, alright, well I think we, we covered everything that happened in that episode next episode is titled The Battle of the Bastards I um, wonder what's going to happen in that one <laughs> what if they fake us out and it's like Gendry versus a kid who are fighting over a <laughs> loaf of bread somewhere <laughs> I would love that that's my exact sense of humor <laughs> um, so yeah, it looks like everything is going to go down outside of Winterfell um, it seems like the Starks still need something to turn their way in order to pull this off. Although, well, you know, their advanced knowledge of Winterfell, they'll like, yeah, who fucking knows. They, they're already lucky in the sense that Ramsay is willing to leave his castle um, and do battle in the open field, which seems like a bad idea when you have a fortified. Oh, is that position. what happened in the preview? Yeah. Oh well, that's a great <laughs> idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never been high on Ramsay's intellect, but uh, all of his plans seem to work. So. We'll see what happens, yeah, he's I guess. one of those villains where it's like all his plans seem to work until he, like, takes on the actual good guy. Right, right. It's like, oh, Dr. Doom somehow got all the gold in the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> then he couldn't, you know, Superman was tied up in <laughs> goddamn whatever the shit that he gets killed in. And, <laughs> oh, no, now he can't beat him because the sun broke him out. <laughs> fucking awful. <laughs> that sounds about right. I haven't I haven't read much Doctor Doom, so I don't even think he fights Superman. I think that's a crossover because yeah. Doctor Doom is Marvel. Uh-huh. I'm almost positive Superman's. He's DC. definitely DC. Yeah. So, uh, whoops. Um, okay, so what what do you want to see happen next episode? Actually, uh, I'll I'll start with I'll start with smaller questions. Who do yeah. you want to kill Ramsey Bolton? I mean, that's a that's the million dollar question this season. Yeah. 
I mean, <laughs> like, who do I think or who do I want? Let's start with who you want. Who I want? I want a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in this kind of show, you almost just want, I almost just want John to do it, you know, because it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Yeah, that would just, be that would be way too neat and tidy for uh, just, for George yeah. things, generally speaking. Um, I kind of want, you know, because you want to be rooting for the Umbers still. So I you do. kind of just want the great John to just really fuck him up. That would be just awesome. Like out of nowhere. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Like, I want it to kind of be like a mirror deal of like, kind of... Jamie murdering the Mad King, and this is kind of like the Mad King in the North. Yeah. They kind of like are like, look at how how much honor we have. We're the fucking North, and it's just like the Umbers have been like so playing them the whole entire time. That would be pretty great. Right when he turns his back, they just fucking kill him. That would be. I would dig that big time. And it would kind of like show you this evolution of the North Mm -hmm. in a way, but in a way they are kind of like. Yeah, House Stark, that's our house, but yeah. apparently not. And the Umbers, so, they did refuse to kneel and to swear fealty, which I, I still think is important. When he was I just like, so mm, F you, not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, so you would think that, I don't know. I guess we're already seeing the New North, if if in fact that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's like honor isn't as important, I guess. True. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, you, you can get painted a billion different ways. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I would like to see that. Uh, the I would love to see the Manderleys show up. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's the same sort of thing where they've mentioned them a couple times this this season. <laughs> who, do I, who did I? Wait, I know who I want to do this. Okay, who yeah, do you? Who, why don't I not know this? Who do you want to do it? Because I think I, I mentioned this to you. Is it Podrick Payne? No, it was not Pod. Pod would be a good choice, though. I think I would enjoy it. But my whole, you know, uh, <laughs> the whole Shaggy Dog truther movement, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Definitely not Shaggy Dog, definitely not Rickon. So I want him to come from Skagos, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Cannibal Unicorn Army and take Winterfell by storm. That would be um, that would be a pretty badass reinforcement to come in halfway through the battle. This, like, army of cannibals riding on unicorns. <laughs> Something with three paragraphs of mention in the entire, the entire universe. <laughs> plenty. That's plenty. That's enough. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. That's what I want. Okay. Uh, who do you think actually will? Yeah, it's hard to say. I think in this season especially, and I think in the in the last two seasons, and I, I think this is a good movement. I've heard you and Maddie talk about this, how they kind of empower women. And mm-hmm. I think that I want, I think Sansa might. That would be awesome. I don't know how that's going to happen, but I think that's like her full circle moment. That would be awesome. I would really enjoy that. Um, oh, so one other question I had for you. When you saw Sansa writing that letter at the end of the episode, I think two episodes ago. Yeah. Who did you think it was going to? I thought a thousand percent Littlefinger. Okay. So I did too. Uh, mostly, I, I tried for a long time to think of anyone else that would make sense for her to write to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, well, River Run, but then I remember that she already sent Brienne there, so she doesn't have to do that. Um, <laughs> I th- in, like, yeah, in, in like, 
kind of a mirroring of like how stupid it was to send her there. Yeah. Like, yeah. You could just send a fucking raven. You yeah. Weirdo. Seems like a better plan. Um, uh, I thought maybe it was the Manderleys, and she's trying to recruit them at the last minute. Um, but again, that was like a. But she was writing it very like purposely. Like this is going to work. And if that's the yeah. case, I don't think the Mandalays would be like I don't think she'd be that confident in writing the Mandalays. Now, there was one other idea suggested to me that I liked, which was that rather than writing Littlefinger, she's writing Robin, Aaron, and Lord Royce in the Vale. Yeah, I, I kind of. Yeah, that's why I kind of to the effect that she was writing her little finger. I thought she was trying to get him to do that through Robin Aaron. Right. And so the idea here is, well, maybe she's skipping over Littlefinger entirely and being, I don't need you. Robin okay. Aaron is my cousin, mm-hmm. and I'm going to call him up here to do this without you being involved. Um, the the one thing I like about that is that it would eliminate the difficulties of sending a raven to a target that you don't know where the hell he is. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but given the way that they make magic things happen like that, I'm sure that it wouldn't be a problem. She's like, I'm going to send this to the inn three quarters of the way between Winterfell and the Vale. And that's where I think Littlefinger will be by now. Yeah, and I mean, I guess you could also say that, and I think that this is something in the books with like, like right through the Boglands, like the people, there's all that stuff with like... Yeah, Moat Kaelin in the neck. Yeah. Yeah. And how... Like Colin Reed and that whole thing where mm-hmm. he's like kind of killing everyone. Mm-hmm. So you, given him and Ned's relationship and the fact that we haven't even seen him in the entire series, you want yeah. you want to think he'll show up somewhere. That would be awesome so, if it was the Reeds. That would be amazing if you had a bunch of weird swamp people come. Yeah, with their bows and arrows. Yeah, I, I would dig that. All right, but that's the only we... other one I could think of. Yeah, I think that we've pretty much exhausted the uh, the content of this past episode. Um, but given that Matic is uh, non-responsive, and given that we need to launch our own podcast shortly after the conclusion of Game of Thrones, the, the Ryan Rayburn podcast. Uh, Ryan Rayburn hit a home run yesterday, which was June 14th. Beautiful, beautiful. How far behind Harper is he in the home run chase? I think Harper has 13, I think Rayburn has 6. Love I think it. he has roughly half the at <laughs> Love it. But he's, as I I told you today, he's slugging, what, yeah. like 40 points higher than yep. Harper? Yep. Better than the best baseball player alive. <laughs> Not shocked. <laughs> Not shocked by that. He is the greatest, I guess. Seems like it. All right, buddy. Um, I will catch up with you next week. And until then, uh, have a good week and a good weekend. Hey, thanks. You too. Thank you for listening to the Questionably Qualified podcast. Please share any questions or comments you have with us on Facebook or Twitter. We appreciate your feedback and support.